Hi, I am Linda Cressera, and today I am bringing you a preview of Stars and Angels Sing, which is a Christmas story that I wrote in vignettes and verse in 2015 and published on my blog. I did publish it briefly as an ebook and a paperback book in early 2016 and then took it down because it's my baby and it's very dear to my heart. The old cover left something to be desired for. The new cover is really pretty. The old version had lots of black and white photos that I had taken documenting my search for the spirit of Christmas. I'm going to put some of those back in, maybe not all of them. There was an overwhelming number of them in the old version. I'm also putting in some color illustrations. So I'll have some examples of those in the next couple of days. They're just not quite ready yet. Some of the characters had some opinions about the art. And since the art is representing them, I have to listen to their opinions. If you read my newsletter, I've read any of my books, you know which character is very vocal about their opinions. If you don't, the most vocal and opinionated character is Saren's son, Ran. He has a lot of opinions about them. So we'll have the art by Monday. He's promised that we will come to some kind of compromise on them so that we can show it to people on Monday. So I'm recording this on December 1st. So Monday is, I think, like December 3rd. So just a couple of days to wait to see that. Right now, uh, you can get your hands on a copy of Stars and Angels Sing through the Kickstarter that I'm running. I'll have the information down below in that Kickstarter. I'm trying to raise money for the audiobook edition, which is which I'm doing myself. And there's a ton of technical challenges. This is a zero profit campaign. Like I've already spent more money than the campaign goal. This is a passion project. And so I don't go so far into the red that I can't claw my way out. I'm going to play for you the introduction to what is Stars and Angels Sing from the book, as well as there's a couple of intersections that talk about like, why doesn't Star know about Christmas? How did he lose his home? In case someone hasn't read the Chris Baker series and doesn't know that Rand went chasing dragons and, you know, things happened. I won't tell you all the things that happened. You'll have to go read that book because it was a fun book and Rand will get mad if I tell you too much and you don't end up reading it. Uh, and I don't want to make him mad. There's also a whole section about like the characters and the places and that section's how it all began. And then in the next two sections after that is the Thanksgiving vignettes and stories because they do lead directly into it. So that was also included. And that part's been expanded because I've written more stuff on it like in the years since. So the new version of the book is actually like they're longer, 30 some percent longer. And I've told the characters that the book is closed. We cannot add anything else to it because they like to keep adding until the book is published and sent to the printer, which it hasn't been yet because they keep adding to it. Anyways, I didn't come here to complain about them, even though I spent a lot of time on this podcast doing that. I love them dearly. Yeah. But the Christmas story is still over two thirds of the book and it is a wild ride. It is not just Tharn's search, but my own search for like, what is the meaning for the season and how to celebrate it when you are in a dark place? Because I was grieving the loss of my sister when I wrote this and also living away from family, feeling very alone. So their story resonated with me very deeply. So all right, let me get to those excerpts and the excerpt I'm going to play for you is going to be the intro. What is the story about? And the first chapter of the Christmas story. So you get sort of a feel for how things started and how it is. And the Christmas part is all written in verse, meaning it is in stanzas and poems that link together very closely. And the Thanksgiving part has some short stories that I have written that are not in verse. So yeah, I'm going to play that for you right now. Stars and Angels Sing, written by Melinda Cusera, narrated by Melinda Cusera. Dedication. This book is dedicated to my sister, Carolyn Cusera. 
who was born in 1984 and died in 2014, at whose request I am publishing it. May she rest in peace. May angels lead you in. I hope angels bore you hence, back to whence your life did come. Like a dove, I hope you winged, carried on the breath of dawn. May angels lead you in. Here below, we've no suspense. One day we'll hear death's song strung. And we'll fly to the one king long ago in glory drawn. May angels lead us in. What is Stars and Angels Sing about? Sarn lost his home and found a temporary one. That story is told elsewhere. Tensions mount as his foster family observes Advent, and it only grows as symbols of a season and a looming holiday that Sarn knows nothing about nears. What is Christmas? Should he let his son participate in this mysterious tradition? Sarn's struggle doesn't go unnoticed, nor does his wish to understand the reason behind the season go unanswered. With help from Santa, an Iceman, some determined fairies, and other holiday favorites, Sarn and his son discover the heart of the season and build a new tradition. This story is told in a series of poems that build upon each other to tell a fantastic adventure of a father and a son's search for the magic of Christmas. Rand's Holiday Rant Hi! This wouldn't be a Cursebreaker book without my introduction. The original version didn't have this intro, but you need to know what really happened behind the scenes. Yes, I know the scribe told you her side of the story, but now you need to hear mine. I promise it's more interesting. Melinda's sister passed away in February of 2014, and that broke her a lot. She even stopped writing for a while, but we characters couldn't let that continue. I've said this before, and I'll probably say it another thousand times in the future. We only exist when you read us, and we only grow and change when Melinda writes new books for us. So her taking a break was a big problem. With the second Christmas without her sister right around the corner, we had to act fast. Christmas is Melinda's favorite time of the year, except for snow and the cold weather and the whole sun setting at 4 p.m. thing. She doesn't like that at all. But I digress, as I often do. How did we get her back to writing and get a wild Christmas adventure out of our dear scribe? I'm so glad you asked that, because I've been bursting to talk about this for years. Back in 2015, Melinda was sad and not writing. And as the days in November dwindled away, she was dreading celebrating another Christmas with a hole in her heart and her family. So I said casually, like you do when you're desperate for your scribe to write something, anything, even if it's bad because you're tired of repeating the last scene she wrote. How about you write a little something for the holidays? You could build a new tradition. In my head, I'm just screaming at her to write anything at this point. But she must handle scribes with care. They're fragile and may break. Melinda didn't say no, but she didn't say yes either. In fact, I don't think she said anything at all. She might have just stared at the computer screen and kept her fingers off the keyboard. Since that's not what I wanted to happen, I tried again, and again. I might have become a broken record until I got a sad nod and a thoughtful look crossed her face. That might not look like progress to you, but at that point, any reaction was a good one. I could do that, Melinda said, and I knew I'd won because she can't stop writing until the whole story is out. That's why she's written and published over 20 books. She's got even more stories that aren't finished or published, but I must pick my battles, and I really wanted a holiday adventure now. Back in 2015, Melinda had never published anything herself. In college, some of her writing was published in her university's literary journal, but I'm not counting that because I wasn't in any of it. Before you get mad about that on my behalf, I couldn't star in those stories because I wasn't born yet as a character. But thank you for defending me. Back in 2015, Melinda just had a blog, which we still have today. So I suggested she publish these scenes there. I knew all about the promise she made to her late sister to publish her stories, and I wanted to star in books. 
but Melinda needed to start somewhere. Since she worked in IT, I figured she'd be more comfortable publishing her work on the web, and we could use that as a stepping stone to book publishing. I was right too, as you'll see in a moment. But I was also wrong about one thing. With her family shattered and her recent move away from them making her feel unmoored, my scribe craved the structure and stability she lost. So she wrote that scene in verse. What can I say? Grief makes people do strange things. I'm not saying poetry is strange or that poets are strange. I'm just pointing out that was an odd choice. But somehow, writing each scene in verse released the Kraken. I mean her imagination. I've just always wanted to say that. Anyway, back to my story. Melinda wrote like crazy and published each part on our blog. When the last one published, readers who followed along requested a copy of the adventure in an easier to read format than clicking links to move between posts. This was what I'd been waiting for. So I urged Melinda to gather the parts of this epic Christmas fantasy adventure poem into a book and publish it. She did that. And a few months later, she published Cursebreaker Enchanted, the original version, which is not available anymore. That Christmas story only stayed on Amazon for a few months until everyone who asked for it got a copy. Then Melinda unpublished it, and it's been sitting in her archive ever since then. But I wanted to resurrect it and bring it to you. So if you've ever thought the Night Before Christmas poem could use some magic and a sleigh ride with Santa, then this is for you. Yes, if poetry isn't for you, don't worry. Melinda plans to do a version of this adventure that's not a poem, but a regular doorstopper of a book like all our others. Papa just needs to turn 21 first. And he might be avoiding that and driving Melinda crazy, but she's trying to box him in so he can't keep wriggling out of that story. More on that developing situation as details become available. Sign up for our newsletter so I can tell you all about it at www.mcusera.com. That's M-K-U-C-S-E-R-A.com slash welcome characters. And there's no space or underscores or anything between welcome characters. It's just one run on word. Thank you for reading. Ran, son of Sarn. Stars and Angels Sing, Advent. The Christmas story begins here with the Advent wreath. In Roman Catholicism, the tradition I was raised in, there's a wreath with four candles on it. Each Sunday, prayers are said over the Advent wreath and a candle is lit as we wait for the promise, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. There are three purple candles and one pink candle. The pink candle is lit on the third week of Advent. He needs faith, Nolo said. In something, my God, any God, it would help a great deal. Faith takes time, his wife replied. Meetings by friends you introduce don't make a big deal out of it if he refuses to come. Footsteps. So I shouldn't invite him to church? I just meant if he says no, don't succumb to anger. Please don't sour him on church. Rand crawled out from under the low table, pushing his ball, wondering what faith meant. While they left for the place with that label, he waited but didn't ask what they had meant. He'd go ask Papa. This was an adult thing, so to Papa he went to consult. What's faith mean, Ran asked, as he tossed his ball hand to hand, startling Sarn, who sought some answer. It's belief in the unseen all the time, even if you don't know something's there or not. At least that's what it seemed to mean to Nolo, but that wasn't enough. It's a good thing. Faith makes good people dream of doing better. It helps when life's tough. Still, that wasn't enough. Faith was more than that, he knew. It's delight in Inari's smile, the safe home Nolo gave us for this chat, and hundreds more things that are worthwhile. Sarn fell silent as Rand digested faith. Maybe he too needed to have some faith. Later that day, while trying to work out what faith meant, Rand overheard something out in the living room going on without him to the bedroom door he went to scout. Light the wreath. Rand cracked the door open, peered through to rule out mischief in the living room. Standing there, Nolo and Nari, their son Nerul, in a small circle with Nolo talking. Livest and reignest forever, amen. Nolo nodded. His son hesitated. Put the purple one in. We can eat then. 
I'm not the youngest child, Nerul stated. He nodded to Ran, who spied all this through a door cracked open. Ran should do this now. What are you doing? Papa asked, though he knew. Or maybe he didn't, because he joined Ran now. Like a protective wall, he stood by Ran. Through the door cracked open, he panned and scanned. What Sarn saw didn't make much sense. The trio stood by an evergreen wreath. Nolo held a book, which he'd been reading aloud. Though what had caused him to stop? Nothing Sarn beheld. Nerul clutched a purple Lumiere crystal. His hand trapped its glow. The boy looked at Ran, who fidgeted. Sarn opened the door. Total silence. Sorry, Sarn said, catching Ran's hand and steering him towards the outer door. We didn't mean to intrude. Halfway to that door, Inari's voice arrested him. Stay. We are about to light the advent wreath. You're welcome to participate if you wish. Ran looked up at Sarn, and he did so wish. Nerul handed the purple Lumiere stone to Ran, who frowned at it. It's not that bright. Ran handed it to Sarn. Make it brighter. And he did. The crystal's violet light filled the room. Ran smiled and lay the brighter crystal on the wreath. That light is for prayer, Nolo said. We light one to mark each week of Advent. The coming of our Lord. Air. Sarn paled, cut him off. He comes here? What week? Nolo scowled. Not the Lord of the Mountain. Though you still need to speak to him. I meant God's son. But he lost his audience when he mentioned the Mount's Lord, and with it went any opportunity to shed light on the one true God that could help Sarn's plight. Interlude 1. Waiting. In dark we stand, about a candle slim, we light this advent taper, in caves deep, in castles old and forests bold. Though dim it stands, its tiny flame to ward off sleep, we keep the watch and wait for the promise. In monasteries, the brothers are chanting, everyone's waiting for the one promised. In Sheari, purple stones are glowing, in wreaths ringed around it, families are praying. They wait for the promise to come, and his light shine, banishing the darkness there. For that promise they'll wait, do kind acts from the heart's wish to aid, to stoke that flame to a roaring fire, so the world it claims. The Perfect Stone Rand found the stones chosen for the admin wreath lackluster in need of replacement. He asked his father for an appointment to get brighter stones for the arrangement. Seeking the perfect one, Rand touched the stones. Make them glow, he said. Sarn touched them, they lit, till he moved his hands away. Pick one stone. Rand picked the stones up and smiled for his bit. A voice cried out, make way for the Lord. Again, he cried, make a straight path for God. A ragged man passed, a fire for his Lord. With zealous light as he shouted for his god, Sarn shook his head. I can't afford that pile. Make more money, Rand shrugged. The answer was clear. Sarn shook his head. Time to leave before the mild crowds, with the man crying out, turned to jeer. A pleading look set him casting about for a means to earn coin before he heard shouts. We can't start without Sarn, Nerul replied. The oldest child lights two stones on this day. True, Sarn was the oldest child to reside here since Nolo had taken him in that day including him while ignorance seemed wrong. Last Sunday, Sarn had participated, but he had not understood or belonged. Nola looked to Inari, his wife, waited for her to chime in, but the door opened instead, admitting Sarn and Ran, from who knew where. Now we can start, Nerul opined. He waved to the advent wreath. They joined them. The first stone lit in its green diadem. Nolo scowled at that lit stone, for no prayers had yet been said, but that stubborn purple light refused to die. He began the prayers anyway, before the second purple stone lit itself. Lord, stir up our hearts. Help us prepare for your son. Make us worthy of his Christmas coming. With pure minds, help us serve you forever. Amen. Worthy or not, Nolo handed the second stone to Sarn, but he didn't take it. Ran handed Sarn a dark rock that at his touch then shone, a purple so radiant it stranded tears in Nolo's eyes. He knew inclusion was right. 
He could build on that foundation. Sparring. The next evening found Sarn at practice with Grigori, one of the rangers, a monolith of muscle and attitude, who with each breath and fist begrudged that four-inch width, Sarn's only advantage herewith. Sarn spat blood, ignored the bright motes floating in the red stain, as he rose for round four. Come on, stop defending, start offending, said his teacher for this match. A man four decades past caring and two past Sarn's age. Come on, kid, hit me. No more defense. Try some offense now. I could hit at your age. In a glance, Sarn saw the practice stave by the wall where he had lost it last exchange. A flurry of blows kept him moving back, dodging, blocking, but allowing no change to tactics criticized in his attack. A halt called, a welcome rest, a head shake signaled he'd not measured up, no mistake. Sarn splashed water from a fountain to clean his face, then stared at the reflected glow of his green eyes on that watery screen. He turned his back on that scene, but that glow preceded him down the dark corridor. Opening the door, he stopped, saw a tree, his four-year-old son on a stool, a drawer of metal balls resting between his feet. Three seconds from a fall if he didn't hurry. Ran turned, his hand upraised to hang the ball, his mouth open to explain. Sarn's worry never came to pass. His son hung the ball, explained the tree, and all as holiday requirements for this thing, Christmas Day. This Christmas required explanation. It was a name he'd heard over the years. His orphan upbringing, his abduction into slavery in his preteen years, and then indenture at 16 had left a Christmas-sized hole in his life until now. But he didn't ask. He watched Inari's deft hands drape a silver fringe over the boughs as she rounded the tree, proving his son had some supervision. Was Advent part of the thing since it preceded this one day called Christmas, a day that requires a tree, a wreath, and prayers that inspire? An open door framed the Christmas tree from where Sarn sat on the edge of his bed, his son's head pillowed on his thigh. But from that angle, what was visible instead was not the silver fringe unraveled. The tree spoke of things unknown, begged questions with every hanging ornament and bell, evergreen sprigs and wreaths, decorations that changed the familiar terrain, leaving him confused at night, wondering where currents of this season would take him next, wondering if flight might have been best before his son learnt of this Christmas. The boy knew it existed, too late to file it away or desist. Okay, so that was the preview. And now I can talk about some of the technical challenges. I have just under half the book narrated and scored, meaning that every section is going to be like what you heard. Me reading and trying my best to narrate and act out sort of the characters. I'm not an actress, so I don't I don't know if you can tell how hard I was trying to dramatize this. I don't know if that comes through because I, I really am not an actress. The reason it's only half, even though I've been working on this for several weeks now, is that there have been just a lot of technical challenges. One of them was, I don't know if it's the setup. I've gone through several different microphones and several different like audio editors, but like I've had to record things like multiple times because I don't know what it is. Like the my voice will just cut out and there'll be like this weird sound. My apartment is completely silent. So I don't know what that's from. Like, I don't know if that's like the internet connection or something between the connection between the microphone and my computer or ghosts, the fictional characters, just not liking the way I'm doing it. I can't explain it. You know, as I'm recording it, it sounds fine to me, but you know, I can't hear anything as it's recording, but like just hearing my own voice in my apartment, it all sounds fine. Like nothing is cutting out. Everything is fine. I'm saying all the words and somehow in the recording, it won't end up at all like that. So I've had to re-record a couple sections about three times just time consuming. <laughs> the goal is still to have it completely done and hopefully proof by the time the Kickstarter ends, which is next week. So yeah, may not be getting much sleep in the next 
few days, but that's the goal. The book is completely edited, like I said, and once Rand finalizes the images, meaning that he confirms that he's okay with me using those, the formatting for the ebook and the paperback will be finalized. I can't finalize them until he stops arguing with me about some of the images. Okay, I can tell you why we're arguing. He wants to add in all the like, I've done a whole bunch of like Christmas like scenes and stuff over the years. I try to do something every holiday. Um, in the, I did a lot of art outside of the covers just to try to teach myself. Like, And so I end up doing a lot of Christmas images and he wants me to include some of that. So that's where some of the arguments are. And like, I get it. Like, I think that could be really nice. I'm not sure. I think I'm going to just put a poll in the newsletter and let, let other people decide this. They're not him or me because this is to share something really special with other people. And and maybe all the holiday cards that I've done over the years with Sarah and his family and the little holiday scenes, maybe people want that in the book. They do. I don't mind. I'll do. We figured out the formatting. I will not tell you how many like articles that Ren has sent me on how to do this. And exactly. He's very picky. Um, he's really, he's a really fun character, but he's very picky. He's more of a perfectionist than I am sometimes. <laughs> I hope you'll check out the Kickstarter. I hope you'll come out and support it. As I'm recording this, it's really close to funded. Like we're only like a few pledges away from that. So it would mean the world to me if you, there's more that I would have loved to have done with this, but just between the time and like, and the, um, the cost has been just, I couldn't get all the music that I wanted. And and you'll hear that in there, like just because the licensing was so very expensive. So I ended up having to go with a, I'm not sure what you would call them. Like, I guess a royalty free music. I'm not sure what they are. They're a legitimate place. And I had to take out a membership. Some of the music would have been different if I could have had the budget and maybe someone helped me understand licenses because I will not go into how many hours I spent Googling this stuff, trying to understand the licensing. But the one that I went with, the license includes everything needed for this, whether it's on the podcast or if I put a clip on YouTube or it being in the actual audiobook and selling it, like the, the license covers all of it. But there's different music that I would have gotten if I could have figured it out. There's a section in here where there's that references some Gregorian chants and I would have loved to have somehow gotten that to play softly in the background of that section but i couldn't find that in, in anything that um, i could afford i also thought about like singing because I, I have sung gregorian chants when i was in choir but it's been so long and i would have needed like practice and maybe a few other people but like that could have been really cool if i could have got some people together and like recorded that plain chant it's the ds area if you wanted to know it it relates to a section of the book where they face the winter ways which are sort of a cross between a zombie and a ghost and they're wandering around on the longest night of the year which is the winter solstice because there's a sort of a little bit of a clash between the old ways and the new ways in this book but not in that either one of them is right it's that they both exist for very different reasons and i don't think any one way is correct however you choose to interact with the divine whatever's right for you because the basic tenets of all world religions boil down to the same thing be kind to your neighbors and there's a few other things but that's definitely in there there's a whole fight with the whites there's two different chapters where they fight the whites and in one of them there is the reference to the Dies Irae, which is a plain chant about um, sort of like the end of the world. It's a little bit apocalyptic. It's in Latin. So if you didn't know, that's what it means. I only know because we did, I don't remember if we did that specific one. We did another one and some, you know, way leads on to way on the internet and you end up in odd places. 
So I hope you'll come out and support the Kickstarter. It's a really fun book. It is in verse. I am going to write it in prose and it'll probably be monstrous. <laughs> it may have to be more than one book because there's a lot of things that are kind of left out of this. So that'll hopefully be coming, I don't think next year, because there's still one really major event that has to happen first. And like CERN is just keep avoiding it. So until he does that, I can't do the Christmas story. So and that event is he needs to turn 21 because his birthday is the beginning of November. So we can't celebrate Christmas if he hasn't turned 21 and his magic didn't increase with all of the problems that that causes. Because those problems are what spills into the Christmas story, into the Thanksgiving celebration and into all of that. I'm not going to tell you uh, what happens, but like the statues are very important to that story. So I'm going to say, all right, I'm going to end this rambly podcast, but I just, I really wanted to give you a preview. You can probably hear it. Like I've really not slept enough, but as hard as it's been and as frustrating as having to re-record things multiple times is, I still really love the story and I still love everything about this. So I hope you'll I hope you'll think about backing. The entire audiobook will have music. There's definitely going to be an audio commentary, and that will definitely have music too. I'm just, we haven't, I have not recorded that yet. So I don't know exactly what's going to go on there. I, I know Rand already has a list. He has a list about everything. So we'll probably lean hard on that list for what is in that commentary. He's taking notes. I don't know if I'm on the naughty list or the nice list. I hope I'm on the nice list this year. And I'll, again, I'll have all the links down below. And I'm sorry this is so rambly, but I'm so exhausted. I'm having so much fun with it too. Even though I can't get all the music that I envision it in my head. Because when I wrote this, like there was music in my head. That's why I wanted to do this with the accompaniment, but had to make some swaps for other things that I could actually license. The ones that I chose, I tried to get something like thematically similar or musically similar. Found some really haunting violin heavy Christmas carols that really fit the mood. They're not exactly what I would have chosen if I could have had the ones that I wanted, but I really like the way those came out. You'll hear that. It really fits the vibe and like how sort of Cern is feeling and like what is going on. So I hope you'll check it out. I think I've said about five times. Thank you so much. And um, we'll be back. Thank you for listening. Have a great day and a great night wherever you are.